it's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Grounds Crew. I'm your host, Josh Gerson, along with my co-host, Bill Rahm. What's going on, guys? And we are back for another episode. Before we get started, as always, we want to make sure that you like and subscribe and leave us a review. We always appreciate the support. Um, and of course, also, before we get started, it is a special day. Big shout out to our boy, Dennis the Menace Deet. It is his birthday today, our producer behind the scenes. Love you, Dennis. Thank you for all the help. Um, Happy birthday, Deets. Yes, sir. Uh it's our first time back since uh, since the MLB season started real baseball. for real baseball. Um, it's been a phenomenal first week. I'm I'm so excited. There's been a ton of awesome plays, great stuff to talk about. Um, what do you think of it so far? Has anything really jumped out of you? Is like this is this has been amazing. Uh, big issues that we already are walking into. Obviously, the the Mets had their series canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID outbreaks, yep. things like that. So hopefully, in the next coming weeks, with all the teams getting uh, shots and making sure that they are somewhat protected. We won't have as many of these circumstances, but that was immediately like like hype all the way up. Yep. Lindor signs, just kidding, you don't have to play. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then it's like you guys can't practice, you can't do anything. Like, yep. And then it's, okay, we're going to go into a, a, ga- a series against a absolutely red-hot Phillies organization. Yep. Um, tough, tough first start for them, but mm. – uh, yeah, and then there's just a lot of really fun storylines already opening up. Yeah. And something that we've been talking about is teams are doing a better job of relaying the fun of the game. Yes. Uh, so the baseball has seemed fun this year, mm-hmm. uh, which is a welcome opening. Yeah, it's definitely has uh, a lot of energy. So, so that's been good. Yeah, it's been good for sure. Um, <clears throat> one storyline that they really picked up on quick, well, actually really two, but we're going to start with the first one that was a big deal. Um, his name is Akil Badu. He was a Rule 5 pick from the Twins that the Tigers picked up. Um, and he was a, a pretty big name in spring training. They said he had a lot of potential. Um, he comes out, the first pitch he sees in the major leagues, he takes deep. Okay, And that's just game one. His second game. So this is where it gets fun because I actually thought that the second time I'm seeing him on highlights mm-hmm. is just replaying the first time. Oh, okay. Until I realize yep. that his second game, he hits a grand slam, right? So already he's he's knocking off different things. His third game, he wants to hit a walk off single to win the game. So this kid is just piling up. His fourth game, his first career triple against. A Cy Young candidate in Kenta Maeda. So this kid is red hot, and he is really showing off that he can he can be a special talent in the league. And and I think that like we've we've always seen uh, players who've come up, gotten hot, and they disappear. Yep. So I hope he's able to extend it and have have a great career. Mm-hmm. But I think it also buoys a point that we've said in previous episodes. There's a lot of really good talent that was in the minor leagues that didn't have an opportunity to come up because of all of these ways in which they restrict a player from moving around. Right. So when you see a Rule 5 guy come up, make this impact in this way, mm-hmm. without any real, like, experience, uh, it just goes to show, like, there's so much talent in the game that we never maybe hear about. Yeah. So I'm excited, again, to see young guys really mm-hmm. making an impact like this. Absolutely. Uh, um, and then your next guy... Oh, yeah. So we got, before we go to Yermin, because Yermin's a big one too, um, I know a, a lot of people were talking about Akil and how he, he's been taking his approach. And it's it's not just like, 
okay, you're getting some lucky swings here and there. You can tell every time he's he's in there, he's having a really good at bat a high, at a high level, and I think that's going to be something that you'll see a lot more of from him. Um, <clears throat> but moving on to the to the next guy, your mean Mercedes. His he almost had his first at bat last year in the major leagues. He got on deck, didn't get to get in there. He gets into the league. He goes 0 for 1, and then proceeds to go 8 for 8 following that. Eight straight hits in the first two games for the White Sox, a feat that has not been done since 1900. Wow. That's a big stat. Yeah. So we got we got a 120-year history broken down on this one thing. Um, eight for eight in any game for any person at any time, mm-hmm. having eight straight hits, difficult. Yes. Uh, when a, In a game that's so much failure uh, – but 120 years, I wouldn't have ever expected it had been that long since somebody did that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, it's wild, and he's he's definitely got uh, a lot of talent too. So I'm I'm really curious to see where he where he looks at the end of the season. But this is a phenomenal start from him. Um, since then, he's been still contributing a ton. Obviously, not as perfect as he was in his first two games, um, but he he looks solid. And I think the White Sox are going to definitely use him more, um, especially with the injury to Tim Anderson. Um, they, they're going to need some more bats in that lineup for and, sure. And speaking of hot starts, mm-hmm. there's no hotter start for me mm-hmm. than Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani watch. And, uh, again, op- opening first first start, uh, four and two-thirds innings, three runs, one earned run, seven Ks, uh, got it up to 102 miles an hour, which was at one point in time the fastest anybody had thrown mm-hmm. uh, in in baseball at the time. Uh, and then through six games, uh, batting 300, two home runs, 700 slugging percentage. He's currently sitting over 1,000 OPS. Uh, yeah, he's the best player in baseball. Uh, yeah. We've we've been talking about it. We've been looking at it. It's fun. It's cool watching everybody else get involved. Mm-hmm. His first start, the, the five walks, uh, was something that we hadn't seen in spring training from him. Yeah, I think he was just a little... Uh... Jumpy. Yeah, you could, you could see he was kind of overthrowing a little bit, not quite um, as pinpoint as he had been in spring training. But And that's fine. It's your if first that's start, how I good he it. is, yeah. if that's how good he is and he's not pinpoint and he's, he's I don't I, Cause he I think he goes four, more than four than two-thirds without those walks. Like if you cut that down a little bit. He was also going pretty deep in counts as well, which, you know, contributes to your high, uh, high pitch count. Um, but I definitely saw a lot of great stuff. His strikeouts were phenomenal. Um, when when he was on, he was really on, and yeah. it was he was just. Unbelievable. I mean, seven Ks and four and two thirds, like crazy, and his splitter was unbelievable. We talked about we talked about it. His his stuff, you know, looks a lot like Roger Clemens. He's got a lot of that similar body style, type mechanics, things that are going on. And when when Roger was really locked in at his best, he could take those two pitches and really just mow through lineups because his velo is so powerful that it gave him an advantage. It was mm-hmm. like its own pitch, yep. right? So, like, guys who throw so hard that nobody can catch up to it, you don't need to have four pitches. Yeah. You know, you can get by with two. Mm-hmm. You can get by with two and a, and, a, and a half pitches. Yeah. You know, just because that one thing you have is so utterly dominant, throw it more often. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that with Jacob deGrom. He's throwing more fastballs than he even used to. Yep. You know, and it looked like in his first start, he was just hammering the zone with fastballs. Yeah, the first two innings, he just living off the fastball. Well, and then he, Why he throw the, anything else yeah, if I real. throw 102? Yep. Um, what It's interesting that you said that you really only need two, maybe three pitches. What I saw from Otani early was he was featuring his slider or curveball, whatever he has, more than his splitter a lot because I think 
a lot of teams are assuming that he's going to feature the splitter a ton, and being able to have that pitch, which is also a high-level pitch, yep. to just kind of hammer in there and then come back with an, a straight fastball at 102 or a fall-off-the-table splitter at 93. Yeah. That's it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, again, I, the, the more everybody starts watching him and the more we watch him, I think the more everybody's going to start to recognize, like, this is special, and you need to start rewriting the rules of what special is. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's a challenge because everybody wants to say, oh, great defense, great this. That's that's always the norm. It's like, well, guys, this hitter is also going to produce potentially 10-plus wins this year, strike out a whole bunch of people, almost 150 people. Like, yeah. he's special. Like, yep. This is a new rule. Um, so I, I hope I hope it continues because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to see – him play at this level against this level of competition. Yeah. Yep. And and like you said too, his hitting's been unbelievable. He's his his contact's been ridiculous too. Like anytime he's been getting out, hard hit balls, like just squaring everything up. So, speak of hard hitting balls, like uh, John Carlos Stanton. I watched a couple of the the balls. He really like he's locked lined. in. Oh my goodness, locked in. It's he, nuts. He hit a ball uh, to left field that he just absolutely smoked what should have just been, like, a single. Mm-hmm. And it got to the wall in, like, two seconds. Yeah, it's... And it didn't look like when you saw it, I'm like, oh, that's a nice level swing. That'll be a nice, easy, you know, single. Mm-hmm. And it was just so damn hard that it got past the left fielder because he had no time to react. Uh, that guy, and again, guys with bat, bat speed and, and, and contact power like mm-hmm. that, when you can do that, it's so wild to watch. Yep. which is really just like the cool parts of baseball is everybody's got a different thing that they do well, right? Some guys are fast. Some guys are amazing defensively. Some mm-hmm. guys are – they can make contact no matter what. Guys who have like blistering power everywhere, seeing how fast the ball comes out, it's like yeah. so like, difficult like to play what that is an actual Like what does a 115 exit velo look like from three feet off the ground? Yeah. It's a straight line. It just keeps going. To the wall, going. yeah. You know? And then when he gets something in the air – it's, it's 480 yeah like into places that Yankee Stadium doesn't get baseballs yeah do you think do you think that guys who are playing third base shortstop when he's up hitting like that are shaking scared? absolutely do you like do, do you think the pitcher's scared absolutely like I, I think he leaves something middle that you know like oh if you drop the head on it's just gonna come out the middle at 150 and miles an hour yeah. yeah like you you're gonna you're gonna literally have a bullet shot at you yep and this is gonna hurt it's gotta be horrific. I mean, you, you see, like the the third baseman are, are on the outfield grass, yeah, hoping that they can have a shot at whatever's about to come at them. Yeah, and, when, and, and that's and that's again like uh, Yankees fans have had a love hate relationship with him mm-hmm. in terms of who he's been because it feels like you never get him and Judge same time. Yeah, which you know we'll get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. But uh, when when he's on, like he is so special with the bat, like. His power off the bat is super, super special. Yeah, I hope he stays healthy because since the playoffs last year, honestly, it feels like he's been on a on the level that he's supposed to be. When he was the MVP. Yes. If he puts yeah. an MVP season together, the Yankees are a different team. Oh my God, yeah. Like if he's just his Their normal, I hit best a lot. In baseball. Yeah. You know, as, as of this moment, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so if they they can put that combo together, special team talking about the championships, so. And, and something that uh, that the Yankees have been dealing with as well, uh, twice now, is the extra inning rule, which has screwed them over twice. Or, not screwed them over, but 
And screwed them over. Screwed them over. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot. They of people didn't are get the benefit of it. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I know a lot of people are upset of, about how this is going because I mean it's doing what it's supposed to do. The longest game so far in the seven games or eight games or so that have uh, been dealing with the extra innings rule of starting with a runner on second. The longest one has gone to 13 innings. So it's cutting down. You're not get probably not going to get a 19 inning game this year. Um, but I know a lot of people are upset about it because it's just not how baseball is played. It's very different. Um, you know, you're starting off with a rally essentially, and it's not too difficult to score. Uh, yeah, but you know? for me, baseball needs different. Yeah, and like it's it's the thing is like the the viewership has gone down. People weren't watching the game as much. Some some games are taking too long. Mm-hmm. And as good as a story of having a, a twenty inning game is like fun that that could happen in the yeah. past. Mm-hmm. The the downside of it is is if you have a game that starts at seven o'clock. It's going to go till near 10 o'clock anyway on yep. the East Coast. Yeah. So you're in a situation where now you have people who are like, okay, I want to watch my team. I have no idea when this is going to end. Yep. You know, so now I'm stuck in this limbo of it could be it could be midnight. I'm, we're still playing baseball. Yep. And to, to do that, it just doesn't make sense. Additionally, yo, if you scored more points – if you score more runs, if you score more touchdowns, mm-hmm. you don't need overtime. Yeah. You're in this situation because you didn't do it when you had the chance. Right. Don't be mad that now it takes it out of your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you have this opportunity. Yeah. Right. And both sides are going to get this opportunity. Win. Do it better than the other team. Yeah. They, everybody has the same rule. It's not like oh, this is going to benefit somebody else. And no, we want the game to end. I want a winner. Get over it. Yeah. Be done. I, I know a lot of people also been talking about, too, they don't hate the concept because, yes, it's doing what it's doing. It's shortening games. But maybe starting it in the 12th inning, like giving giving us two more innings of normal baseball, trying to win it that way. Maybe you get your, your actual closers in. Maybe you get that one pinch hitter that's going to come in after some guy gets on or whatever, and you, and you see a little bit more baseball that's on the, the regular way it's played, and, and you get it. I think the way. only way – I actually – Thinking about it just now, mm-hmm. I hate that. Okay. Because ultimately, it's just ext- you're going to continue to have longer games. You're, and if the goal is shorter games and people are upset about how it is, I think there's one thing, and this might already be the rule. I just haven't read into it. Mm-hmm. Start at the top of the lineup. Um, I believe how it is, is you continue with the normal lineup, but whoever made the last out is on second. I so, believe so. So my my point is, mm-hmm. starting over with start, top of the lineup, start so you at the can top have of your best batter. Okay. Start at the Fair top enough. of the it's yeah. top of the, and I'll even say go with this. I'll put your one your leadoff hitter at second. Mm-hmm. I'll put your leadoff hitter at second. So both sides now have this opportunity that if we're going to reset the whole game, mm-hmm. and we're going to put it at second base. That way you can Let's kind of square res- off with your best guys. Square off. We're going because if if we got more runners early or how it ended up playing out. If we have, especially in the National League, if the National League has a pitcher coming up and the pitcher is now ru- supposed to run, mm-hmm. right? Well, what if I wanted to keep him in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I, now I have to make a pitching change, even though I might not want to right, right away. So I think a, an interesting thing would be is maybe we start off with your leadoff hitter at second. That's everybody supposed to be fastest guy, best base runner, speedy guy, whatever you want to say historically. Mm-hmm. So that guy's at second. And now coming up with today's game, 
Your best hitter's batting second. Yeah. So now both sides get to who's the better team. Show up. Yeah. Now now there's equal. Now there's complete equal. Mm-hmm. And it's not variable equal. Right? We're right there. So if we're right. going to make it, because then I would say that the guy on second is benefited by whoever's team has the best lineup currently available to hit. Exactly. Yeah. And in what order. Mm-hmm. So now let's wipe that away. Let's start everybody at the same spot in the lineup. Yeah. We just solved we just solved that rule just there. I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure that solves that rule. Kind of, yeah. Um, it's I think it's an even better version of it. Yeah. I, again, I, I, I'm curious to see how because like I know like obviously this is in place for this whole year, but I know with it already being used so much, like it's going to be under a ton of scrutiny as was already predicted. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are alterations to it next year. Um, especially with, you know, they're going to need to worry about the DH next year. They're going to have to deal with that. So there's going to be – and, and I, they're testing a lot of – we talked about it a couple episodes ago – a lot of different rule changes in the minor leagues that might make their way to the MLB next year. Um, so it will be definitely interesting to see how that progresses. One rule that I've seen already that as – a, as a Mets fan that I've seen already, I think you and I were texting during the game. Mm-hmm. Um, first game of the season, Jacob DeGrom's painting the outline – and the computer probably would have given him the strike. Yeah. But that strike zone was an abomination of a strike zone. Yeah. And on the flip side, um, I think it was Moore who was pitching for them. Yeah. Uh, is missing the zone but getting strikes called. Mm-hmm. And I I need for for the hitters of the game. They, the pitchers would ha- are going to hate it, and you as a pitcher you'd hate it because you want to be able to finesse the zone. And impact it through subtlety. Right, Matt, Matt Moore is fired up. I'm sure. <laughs> if I'm a if I'm a hitter though, like yeah, I want to know like because these guys watch the ball and they they have better eye they have a better eye for the strike zone than an ump. Yeah. So when an ump misses and you know you missed, of course you're going to be frustrated. Mm-hmm. But when the when the computer takes over calling balls and strikes, we're going to get way better hitting. And yeah. we're gonna find out who's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if if it, you're still gonna swing at stuff that's out of the zone, right? Everybody yeah. does. You're sure. not that that you're doesn't like, come away. It's those terrible pitches that get called. Yep. That ruin the game. They don't help the game for anybody. Even if your team benefits from it, it ruins mm-hmm. the game. Because we don't know what's real. Yep. Right. I know. Uh, also, we were talking about our, our boy Tristan McKenzie got his first uh, appearance last week, and he was getting screwed over hard by the umpire. I know a ton of people were talking about it on Twitter, and he would have had an even better performance had he gotten some of the calls that this guy just completely missed. He he threw one pitch though, that he completely it, it came out of his hand funky. Mm-hmm. He missed up and inside, yep. and looked like he just lost it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the dude swung with the worst swing in the history of the world, and he just was like. Sweet, cool. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna complain. I guess. I guess it worked its way out in the end, anyway. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, he looked good too, and and his stuff looked. He was more down in the zone consistently mm-hmm. than what he had been in spring. So home runs weren't there. Some of the other things weren't there. Struck out a bunch of guys. Really good showing. Yeah. Um. He looked locked in. I loved it. Strong. Yeah. Strong. But uh. You've been wanting to talk about this team because they're on fire right now, mm-hmm. and they are very fun, and the organization is making it even more fun. They're leaning yes. into the fun. Yep. Go ahead and talk about them. We were so we were, we had been discussing, you know, who's a who's a sleeper? Who's a who's a good team that, you know, we might see them a little bit. I had mentioned the Phillies. Um, I forget who you had mentioned, maybe the Mariners. Um, but this team and I had had them in the back of my mind, but I wasn't sure cuz they had lost some pieces. Um, the Cincinnati Reds. And the Cincinnati Reds have come out on all cylinders absolutely firing. Through 6 games, they have scored 57 runs. 
have hit 14 home runs, 26 walks, and as a team, they're batting 316. So to put that in perspective, I think the Mets led the National League last year in batting average mm-hmm. as a team yeah. at 273. So that was the best in the league was right. 273. Yep. And this team currently is hitting 316. So borderline unbeatable. Yes. It, it, they're just And they're 5 and 1. Yes. They're 5 and 1. They're mashing. I think they're averaging like a little over 10 runs a game right now. Crazy. And I love it. And what they what they're doing, you know, b- before we even get into their their new uh slogan, um Nick Castellanos had received a two-game suspension um when which he was, was a joke. Which was a joke for just getting absolutely fired up when he came in and, and scored on a wild pitch. And, yeah, he was in the pitcher's face and whatever, but it's fine. It's part of the game. Let him show some emotion. Let him be fired up. Giving him a two-game suspension for it is it's just like when uh, when they gave an eight-game suspension to Joe Kelly for making a face at Carlos Correa. Like, guys, let him play the game. But here's an Astros. Nobody suspended. No, but it's fine. We won't talk about that. We won't, Different we won't conversation. Cheating. Oh, yeah. Cheating as long as you had a good reason. It's fine, right? Um, It'll make us look dumb. We'll, we'll, we're, we won't suspend you, but if 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 it makes if it makes a big deal out of nothing, we'll suspend the shit out of you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so Nick Castellanos, he got all you know up in arms about that. He's appealing it, um, but when he comes back, right? So it's the next game. I think two two games later, um, he hits an absolute massive home run um, and pimps the shit out of it. It it probably could be bat flip of the year, honestly. Um, and early in the season, bat flip of the year. It's very possible. I mean, he, we got to we got to see bat flip of the year. No, we'll, we'll put it up there. Absolutely. Um, and the whole team's fired up. The organization's fired up. Fan base fired up. Um, and and they're adopting this new slogan. So they channeled some Ric Flair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, bat flipping, showboating, son of a guns. And I love it. I love the energy. I think it's exactly what baseball needs. Um, and they're adopting it from top to bottom. The Reds toss it in their Twitter bio. bio um, and then their double A affiliate, same thing. Single A affiliate, same thing. Triple A affiliate, all of them. They, and I love it. I think we had talked about it a few episodes ago. We need that kind of culture throughout each organization because then when you get guys coming up, they're already with the program. But it's also it's fun for the, yeah. like the kids who are following the game. It it they can put in their bios, bat flipping, showboating, son of a gun. Yeah. In their bio, you're gonna see kids who are at the Little League World Series, mm-hmm. who are going to get interviewed for the game. And they're going to be like, it's going to say, bad flipping, showboat, and son of a gun. Yep. That's culturally great for the game. Yeah. Right? When You want to be that guy. Somebody hashtags on Twitter, LFGM. Mm-hmm. We know what it is. Yep. Right? Like, And that culturally takes itself on. Like, Embracing it is better for the game. And mm-hmm. I, I love it. You Everybody knows I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, right? Mm-hmm. The the Buffalo Bills have engr- embraced Bills Mafia. Yeah. Right? The saying Bills Mafia and everything. They love it. They dive deep on it. The mm-hmm. players talk about it. Like, Bills Mafia is the – that's amazing. And you see how that's fostered a better team. Yeah. More environment. Yep. It's that culture. Now people they're all embracing money, it. People spend money. People travel. Yeah. That's what? It's going to be more money, which means these players get to get paid more money, mm-hmm. which everybody's happy. And – that's what this should be. It's entertainment. Yeah. Don't make it so serious. Yep. I love it. It's exactly what we needed. And I'm so glad this is happening early in the season, too, because I think more teams, are when they have moments like this, they're going to be like, cool, we need to jump on. Let's just make this fun. Let's make this part of how we're playing the game because there's results that come from it. Even if it, it's something that you can you can say is an intangible thing, I don't think so. I think it absolutely yeah, – Everyone has a better attitude about how they're doing it. Yeah, it's great. They're all coming – 
with some arrogance and some some confidence. And listen, and that's it won't, baseball. It doesn't last all year. Sure. Right. It's mm-hmm. too long of a time for us to carry momentum for forever. Yeah. But embrace it while you can. Mm-hmm. You got they they go they start off the season twenty and five. Right, that that's still twenty and five. Those yeah. games don't disappear. Exactly. You could be a worse team. The re- you could be a five hundred team the rest of the year, right? But mm-hmm. you're going to finish above five hundred and have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. And it's because of that hot start. Mm-hmm. So you you can't take those things away. And I, I agree that it's intangible. It's not a stat. It's not something you could do. But the stats are showing you that when people are motivated and they're excited, they'll bring more energy. And if they can bring energy like this, they're going to win a lot of baseball games. Yeah, they sure are. Uh, I'm definitely excited to see how they. How they continue on. Um, no, more updates from from the past week. There's been a lot of stuff going on. Um, the first one uh, of the season, the Red Sox are coming out with some new jerseys. We had talked about it. We, we wanted to see some new jerseys, different things. Um, and Nike is coming out with a uh, a collection called the Nike City Connect jerseys uh, for seven teams this season. Um, the first one being for the Red Sox for April 17th and 18th um, for Patriots Day, which is the anniversary of the Boston bombings. Um, and the jersey colorways are, are yellow with a blue um, hat, and they have a, a patch on the arm that's um, it's, it's, uh, supposed to resemble a, uh, a runner's bib. Um, and, the, and the colorway of the jersey is to resemble the, um, the finish line of the, of the uh, marathon. Um, and I love, I love the concept, and I think it's going to be really cool to see what other ones they come out with, how they go about doing it. And I think it's a good, uh, a good way to transition into having different colorways and things. And I know N- Nike is trying to roll that out. As more well, you've seen it in the NBA, right? The NBA yeah. came out and they got high-end designers. You got guys like Kith out here doing the the Nick stuff. Yep. Um, and and you're having you're bringing fashion and you're bringing the off the field stuff into it mm-hmm. by changing up the colors, doing different fashion things, making these guys look cool and the stuff. Again, better for the culture of the game. You're making stuff that's shareable that people want to talk about. And when more people are talking about the game, they're going to watch more games. Yep. They watch more games. They're going to spend more money. You're going to be able to make more money. This is all the stuff that we've been waiting for baseball to finally do, and they're they they look like they're getting there, mm-hmm. and that's good, um, and that's exciting, and I'm I'm interested to see what else they do, uh, and hopefully they keep opening up the doors of of cool collaborations and yeah some cool things that they could do because I if anybody's listening from MLB we would love to do some clothes with you guys we and would love it have some fun with you and do some stuff but you know that's just me talking. Um, so we talked about things that have made everybody super excited about the season, mm-hmm. which sadly also means that there's also things that make people very sad yes, about there are the season. Yes, two sides to this coin. Um, the, the big sad, I would say right now, is Fernando Tatis subluxing his shoulder. Yeah. For those who don't know what a subluxation is, it's a dislocation of your shoulder that actually then re re. Uh, attaches so mm-hmm. it's not a full dislocation it popped out popped back in right it's yep. subluxed it came in and out so the the bad thing about that is it ends up impacting the labrum in your shoulder right that that's a cartilage ring inside of your shoulder that keeps everything sucked inside and keeps everything locked in if that takes damage you one are more susceptible to subluxation again mm-hmm. And if it, you keep subluxing, eventually you'll have a full dislocation that will require surgery. So he's currently 10-day DL, but he will not be playing baseball soon. Mm-hmm. Um, as my professional opinion, uh, it, it's going to take him longer than that. We saw this as Mets fans uh, not too long ago when 
Uh, Michael Conforto swung the bat, shoulder yep. came out, missed the rest of the season, and was not the same player yeah, even when he came back. Up. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and it took him, you know, a, a, a year and change mm-hmm. to really get back to being himself. So looking at it, I really, really hope that he doesn't go that route. I hope it's more like he's out for – you know, three, four weeks, mm-hmm. and then he's able to come back and be his normal self and go back to that. Uh, but that is a tricky injury, and that's bad for the game because I know Padres fans, they, they were they were more excited than Reds fans are right now just to just to have done the moves that happened. Yep. To have that guy immediately get hurt, mm-hmm. deflating. Yeah, that's deflating. tough. Deflating. It's, it's, you, don't, you don't like to see it. Um, I think, I, I believe it's not his throwing shoulder, which is good. Um, but the, I think the little difference between him and Conforto's thing was when he swung, it was his back arm coming across his body that yanked it out, so it was a little more violent and just horrific. Um, Tatis was on his backswing coming around his body, so not maybe hopefully not quite as damaging um, in the long term, um, but definitely what you, you don't want to see that happen, especially if you're a Padres fan coming into this with some serious momentum as a team. Um, and just up and down, there's been a ton of injuries already. Uh, Bellinger's out with a calf. Aaron Judge, as we all suspected, <clears throat> I think the Yankees were trying to hide a little bit. Judge has a uh, an oblique strain or it's sore or whatever, um, which isn't surprising, unfortunately. It's it's not surprising. It's it's him. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's a a, a sad thing because he's a really good player. But he probably needs to be a full-time DH, mm-hmm. which means he probably needs to get traded or moved from the Yankees. Because I don't see a world where one anybody would take on John Carlo's contract. John mm-hmm. Carlo, over the last couple of years, has has played more consistently than Judge, <laughs> which is crazy <laughs> which to is say. Wild. <laughs> um, Sam, you're, you're, you got the situation with the catcher needs to DH on occasion, so mm-hmm. you, you can't. Judge needs to go and just stand up, swing the bat, go sit down. You know he got he has to maybe play ten games, fifteen games, and people are going to hear this and they be like, "But he's such a good, he's a phenomenal defender." And it's like, mm-hmm. guys, he's a solid defender, but every time he has to make one of those elite plays, he is going to get hurt mm-hmm. because you're asking. Uh, uh, NFL tight end to go play corner. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And could he do it? Sure. But that body is going to break down because it's not built for that style. Mm-hmm. And just because these guys are athletic enough to do it doesn't mean they should do it. Yeah. And you're, you're now having a guy who showed the potential to have a special bat mm-hmm. who's just not going to be able to be that guy if he's hurt all the time. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you think it would be an option to swing him over to first base? No. You don't think he has a skill for it? You think it's still a liability? <clears throat> well, so there's there's twofold thing, right? You already have a guy who's hurt there mm-hmm. who was is your favorite player. Um, <laughs> so, like, if, Voight, if Voight's a, a 30-home run guy at first base, you don't need to move him to first. Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, moving him to first makes you worse also, Right. Because you're now, Voight has to go somewhere, and Voight can't go to the outfield. Nope. And then your Voight's your DH, and it's the same problem anyway. And you're going to need Judge to DH on some days anyway also. Mm-hmm. And again, 
there's too many big dudes who need to rest yeah. on that team. Yep, they got to subtract. They one. have to move one, and nobody's gonna take the big contract that you have on Giancarlo, and you have a situation where Judge is still cheap. So like, if I'm the Yankees, and I'm 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 playing MLB the Show, mm-hmm. I'm trading him for prospects or you know something else that fills a hole because i i will tell you now as good as people think judge is it would be addition by subtraction Mm -hmm. this goes back to the mike trout thing yeah like at the end of the day if your team is misconstructed because of someone right you're there and judge is going to need money soon what are you going to pay judge what's he going to want he's going to ask for the moon is he going (laughs) to is he going to ask for um a lindor sized amount of money Let's even say he doesn't ask for that, right? But is he going to get paid twenty to twenty-five million dollars a year for five to eight years? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what he's going to shoot for? That wouldn't surprise me. Who's paying him that? Yankees can't. Yeah, you're already paying John Carlo that kind of stuff. Yep. To he's, be the same player. Yep. He's got to go somewhere where he can be that DH guy. Maybe you go to the outfield occasionally, but yeah. not really. And that's the thing. is, he, If he could play 30 games in the outfield in a year, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're probably okay. Yeah. Right? You can, only, you can play him one out of every three, four games in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of him not being in the outfield one out of every three, four games. Yeah. Which is what they currently have. And, again, we, we, we go back more and more. Trade the player, the team gets better. Because they're doing, they, they look good now. Mm-hmm. There's parts of this team that are good. You can get a good player for Judge, who you can replace. And then there's there's even the flip side is if you move Judge, right? Clint Frazier gets to play more. Clint's been starting. And, well, Clint's, Clint's but there's still they have a surplus of outfield. They have a surplus and, outfield because yeah. you have Hicks, right? Who, who Hicks Gardner, Hicks Gardner, John Carlo, Judge, Judge. and Frazier. Yeah. And if you're looking at that situation, you have four guys who could theoretically be starters. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that Frazier's the worst of the guys in totality because mm-hmm. I think Hicks' defense is something that can't be replicated by and any of the other guys. Bat. Um, but Frazier's a good player. Mm-hmm. And if you put Frazier out there consistently and you were able to get back for Judge, uh, a starting pitcher. And, and Frankly, uh, they and might a, need a shortstop. Oh, so you and I, separate from this podcast, Glaber got a lot of love when he first came up Mm because he got to get hidden by Didi. Didi got to play shortstop, and everybody's like, he's playing second now, but he's a shortstop. Can you imagine when he's this good and he's also playing shortstop? He's going to be amazing. He's the best player in baseball. He's an MVP candidate. Mm -hmm. That's things that the dude on the other side of this wall used to say. Yep. Now reality is setting. Glaber mm-hmm. looks lost at shortstop. Yeah, he needs to. He looks like that's it. not his position. He is a second baseman, and on a on a on a good day, maybe you could slide him to third. But shortstop is not for him. He he looks like he's confused. Yeah, it's it, it, it's like the routine plays too. Like they could have won the game last night on the very casual ground ball to shortstop, and he, he just goofed on it. He never had to be the foot. His bat was so good that it hid the fact that his defense was mediocre, mm-hmm. right? And his bat looks so good again, especially you're playing in the AL East. You accidentally hit some home runs. Yeah. You know, you look at DJ LeMahieu, 
right? Mm-hmm. He, his home run numbers were never near what he hits now. Now all of a sudden he's got home run numbers. We think he magically got that much better. No, it's the division you guys play in. Yep. It's, the, it's the parks you guys are playing in. So you look at a guy like Glaber, and Glaber's numbers are inflated mm-hmm. because of where he's playing. So ultimately we think his bat is even better than he, it is because you're not normalizing for what people in that division look like. Right. Who doesn't come there and look like a stud? Years ago, Curtis Granderson leaves the Detroit Tigers. Mm-hmm. Granderson at his best was a 30 home run guy. Mm-hmm. Right, but he was more looking like 20, 25 home runs. That was his bread and butter. Let me be that guy. Then he goes to Yankee Stadium, has back to back 40 home run seasons. Yeah, guys, that's literally. Then he goes that's to City Field. He, yeah. he loses 10 home runs. Yeah, he's still hitting more home runs than he used to, but he's literally lost 25 percent of his home runs. Disappeared because he's not playing in small parks. Yeah. So all these guys, you have to look at the. They have this magnifier. I think Glaber is a really good player, but I think the idea that he's a superstar uh, is slowly fading away because you're seeing yeah. guys like Tatis, you're seeing other young players who come up mm-hmm. who look even better than him. He does. Uh, yeah, I, the shortstop is something they might need so that they can slide some guys around. Yeah. But again, I, that, that's a good problem to have. The Yankees have a good problem to have. It's mm-hmm. a problem that you know we talk about. We think the Mets have. You're super deep. You have players all over who can play. Right, so you can cover when guys are hurt. Mm-hmm. You ha- but there's also the downside of it is, is that you probably should package one or two guys together, to become even more premium. Mm-hmm. And I think Judge's ability to play for the Yankees, he's never going to be able to play more than 120 games. Um, and if he's never playing more than 120 games, there, there's guys who can give you the same thing and play every day. Yeah, for less money. It will be interesting if they hold on to him for the full year um, and then try to trade him next year because I'd imagine there will be a DH in both leagues next year. Um, it would shock me if, the, if it wasn't, so that opens up a lot of other trade possibilities yeah, for them. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll abandon him now Mm-mm, so uh, unless somebody gets super hot. Yeah. Like while he's hurt, somebody like Clint Frazier would have to get stupid hot. Mm-hmm. And if Clint's super hot, how do you sit him? Right, it was the circumstance that the Mets fa- find themselves and found themselves in with Dom Smith. Mm-hmm. Dom became such a good bat; he needs to play left field. Yeah, he's got to be in the lineup more. Yep, because you can't you can't not play him. Force is the issue. Well, he only got that because of some some circumstance. Yep, right. Got some guys get hurt. This happens. Bat shows up. It looks good. Has a season where he gets to play full. Boom. Clint needs that, mm-hmm. and if Clint can be that guy and he can show up with a, a mid eight hundred OPS. I would trade Judge to somebody who can do it. And I, and you're right, this year, maybe not next year, because you're going to have teams who are looking for a bat. Yep, right? and you know what? There's also a lot of big-name free agent shortstops next year. Ton. So they're, they're, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees were in the market for somebody like a, like a Javi Baez. Or a, but are all those guys coming with a, a Francisco Lindor price tag? Maybe. Wouldn't surprise me. Honestly, I think the Yankees will be hottest on Corey Seager. Because do you get a yeah. left-handed bat in Yankee Stadium and premium defender? That would be my pick. I also, honestly, I don't think he's going to leave LA. I think he has it too good there. Um, but we'll see what his price tag is. They have a lot of expensive pieces. I don't know how they keep paying guys to all be superstars. They just have endless pockets. They, endless pockets <laughs> is one when you have a when you have a luxury tax. Endless pockets runs out soon. Yeah. Because it's not just the cost of what you're paying the guys. Yep. It's the penalty for paying them. Yep. Do you want to continue to pay the penalty at the scale that you're going to pay? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how long they can continue to do this because they've been doing it for a while. 
no, this this free agency with all these shortstops is going to be very interesting. I'm I'm curious to see where they take the market because I think they're all very, they all have or will have similar price tags. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Anything else you got for the people today? Enjoy baseball, guys. Yeah. Baseball has been fun this year. This has been a great start to the to to a baseball season. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. There's a lot of new storylines. There's a lot of things that people are doing that are fun around the game. You know, this is the best that I've felt about the future of baseball in a long time. And yeah, I'm I very hope, excited. I hope it keeps getting better. Thanks so, for a fun season. We appreciate you guys watching us again, like always. We'll see you next time. Baseball lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. <laughs>